Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 316 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always good. I'm going to start here with the review part of the show. Then we'll welcome one guest. And then, of course, we will start part two with the news. And then the the uh, the preview part. Then we will wrap it up with a second guest. So let's dive straight into that review part of the show. We're going to start here. Friday, October 29th, York Hall, Bethnal Green, and MTK Global Show. I was there in attendance. Uh, going to run through this card here. Joe Giles made his pro debut. I, I don't really follow the amateur boxing system too much, but he had a huge support. It was rocking at York Hall. He moved to 1-0 successfully there. A points win over four against Pavol Garage, who was who was um, 7-23 and with three draws. Um, elsewhere on the card, friend of the show, Sam Gilly, now 12-1, and a points win over six rounds against Daniel Larty, now 14-6 and with a draw. Um, Jordan Reynolds with a win, 3-0, and a TKO in the first round against Rodolfo Paterno, who's now 2-5 and with two draws. Pierce O'Leary with a win, now 8-0, a TKO in round 7 against CR Osgool, who's now 15-7. It really looks like Osgool is um, certainly at the end of his career, I think. I remember when he was about, I want to say he was about 14-0, 12-0, something like that. He seems like he's racking up lots and lots of losses recently. Um, elsewhere on the card... Tersimbe Kulakmet, 4-0 as a pro going in. I mentioned he was quite a good amateur and he was a Kazakh fighter, um, you know, signed to MTK. He was only 4-0 with three KOs and they were talking about him fighting for a world title in 2022. He was going to be fast-tracked. Well, in stepped Juan Carlos Abrao, who is now 24 and 6 with a draw. He knocked out Kalakmet in the seventh round. He was down himself in round two. I went outside the venue. I was trying to help my friend get inside the venue, and I came back in to, to, to hear that he'd actually been knocked out. So I missed it, but the prospect got upset. He was down twice in round seven. It was for the WBC International Super Welterweight title. And, um, yeah, that is an absolute shocker there. It really is. That was not expected, especially as Juan Carlos Abrao of the Dominican Republic, um, you know, 34 years of age, was coming off a knockout loss to Jerome Ennis, or Jaron Ennis, um, in his last fight, which was in September of last year. 
So he was coming off over a year out the ring, being knocked out for the first time in his career. His other losses came to Alexander Besputin, um, Igis Kavalowskis, the meme machine, Alex Martin, Jamal James, and Humberto Soto. So this guy had really been around the block. It was a huge step up for a guy only 4-0, and it told, unfortunately, for him. Um... Elsewhere on the card, we had friend of the show, Archie Sharp. We will be speaking to him later. He moved to 21-0. A 10-round unanimous decision. He absolutely shut out Alexis Cabor, who's now 28-5. That one was for the WBO Global Super Featherweight title. Um, Alexis Cabor, an African fighter from Burkina Faso, hadn't been stopped in 17 years, and he wasn't going to be stopped on Friday night. Um... Very impressive, I felt, from Archie Sharp. He seemed to be back to his best. Um, you know, it, it seemed like he lost his style for a few fights. I'm not sure what happened. He had a trainer change in that time, and he was back to his best. That is the Archie Sharp that I, um, you know, saw for the first time ever. I ever uh, saw him box, which, strangely enough, was also at York Hall, where this fight took place. I saw him for the first time um, years ago, and straight away I thought, wow, this kid has got so much ability. And, yeah, once again, he seemed to kind of throw it back, you know? It was like watching his old self fight, so hopefully he can, you know, regain that that kind of form that he, that he had. Uh, still undefeated, like I say, 21-0 on the cusp of a world title. Uh, moving out now to the O2 Arena in Greenwich, London, United Kingdom. This one a matchroom boxing card. It felt great to be back at boxing, by the way. I was I was in London for, for um, the MTK show on Friday and the O2 Arena show on Saturday, so I felt very blessed to be at both events. But on this card here, um, wins for Jordan Thompson. He looked really good with a first-round KO against a guy whose name I'm not even going to try to announce, but he's back there, 11-0 with nine KOs. John Hedges with a win, 4-0, a six-round points win against Ben Thomas. Uh, Johnny Fisher banged out his opponent, Alvaro Torero, the Spaniard, now 5-14 and 14 with two draws. He was down three times in that second round. Um, Johnny Fisher, a little bit wild and too kind of over-eager in the first round. He got caught a couple times, but not with anything really of note. And like I say, came out and demolished his man in the second round, had him down three times. I'm really starting to like Johnny Fisher, a.k.a. The Rom for Ball. Um, they did a lot of promo stuff that they showed in the arena before he walked out. And every time his picture came on the screen, by the way, when he was getting his hands wrapped and stuff, like, the crowd were going crazy for him. So, um, really pleased for him. Another knockout win. And I think he he can, I'm not sure about go all the way. It's too early to say. But he looks he looks the goods at the minute. i got to say, I really, really like his exciting style and his attitude and everything. He's a very likable guy. And, um, yeah, I, I think you can see as well, he trains his absolute backside off. Um, yeah, certainly one to watch. Ellie Scottney with a win. She's now 3-0, and a points win over 8 against, I think she was from Spain, Eva Cantos, who's now 2-2. Two and two. But actually, she wasn't too bad of a fighter. She had a lot of, um, a lot of good moves. Um, elsewhere on the card, we had Yusuf Kamari lose a majority decision over 10 against Jorge Castaneda who's now 15-1, and one. Castaneda and Kamari. I mean, a lot of people, including myself, were saying this this is going to be a tough fight for Yusuf Kamari. He lost his O. Um, I felt he probably did enough to nick it, but a lot of people disagree with me there. So I wouldn't say I was strictly scoring it, but, 
you know, he 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 was always going to come very up for the fight. I felt Castaneda, and he did enough in the eyes of the judges. So that's that's what it is. Uh, Craig Richards with a win. We will be speaking to him soon as well. He is now 17 and two with a draw, a TKO in round six against Poland's Marek Matja, who is now 20 and three with two draws. He was stopped for the first time. Um, it was for the vacant WBA international light heavyweight title, another belt there for Craig Richards collection. Um, I felt that Craig Richards took a few shots, you know, um, nothing of note so much, but he was able to overcome, you know, overcome that. And he did get a good stoppage in the end. Like I say, his opponent had never been stopped. We want to see Craig Richards in with another big name. Um, you know, he's been in with several big names domestically. And it might be a little bit harsh, I'm saying, we want to see him in with a big name straight away. He boxed in his last fight for the world title against Dimitri Bivol, for crying out loud. But, yeah, one fight there against a guy like that. Let's let's hope a big name comes next. We all want that, including Craig, I think. We will be speaking to him very soon. Um what have I missed on that card? Um, Alan Babich with a win, a TKO in round two against Eric Molina. Boy, oh boy, I'm not sure I want to see Eric Molina in the UK again. He's now 28-8. and eight. He was down um, five seconds into the first round, and he was down three times in round two. Alan Babich now 9-0 and oh with nine KOs. Um, yeah, I, I actually had lost count of the knockdowns. Molina was down a few times. And it was it was ruled a slip. He kind of just ended up falling on the floor a few times. Typical performance from Molina, sadly enough. He's a lovely guy, but I think he's totally finished. He's got absolutely no punch resistance. And I've always had a uh, you know a lot of time for Eric Molina. I've always had a soft spot for for Eric Molina. Those that know his story, he was obviously you know training for Deontay Wilder whilst still working a day job he was a teacher in a special school for for children with special needs and, and quite severe special needs as well and he was doing that day in day out teaching kids so you know I've always respected him for that and he was still doing that while he was in training camp for Deontay Wilder man like what a guy but I, I, I don't know his boxing hasn't been up to par recently and it's been off for a long time I expected Babich to knock him out within like a round or two and I cashed in on that um, but it's sad to see because once upon a time he went nine rounds with Wilder he, he, he did good against Wilder and all the rest of it hung in there with with um, Joshua for a little bit but he's just not the same guy um, and the main event Chantel Cameron now 15-0 and 0, a unanimous decision over 10 two-minute rounds against America's Mary McGee now 27-4 and 4. it was for the WBC and IBF um, female super lightweight world titles, so Cameron taking McGee's IBF title there. Um, very wide scorecards in the end, at the end of the fight there. Um, first round, I gave to Cameron. It was interesting to see McGee push Cameron onto the back foot, probably for the first time in Cameron's pro career, really. But Chantel, I felt, did get the better of the exchanges, despite being on the back foot. Um, round two, a big round for Cameron. She started to really get through with power shots. McGee went on the back foot. 
um, you know, quite a lot in that round. And when she was on the back foot, she was barely effective at all. There, there seemed to be not much power there. And she just couldn't match Cameron for power at any point, to be honest, or strength, which um, Cameron demonstrated when she threw Mary McGee to the floor at the end of that second round. Round three, Chantel Cameron was getting the better of every exchange again. When McGee would perhaps outland Cameron for a second during an, ex during an exchange, Cameron would come back with a big shot. I felt she was completely bossing it. And I felt she'd probably be wishing that she had an extra minute in these rounds. Give them three-minute rounds. Um, round four, Mary McGee started the round really aggressive. And I mean really aggressive. However, it was a bad thing to try and do because Cameron happily obliged and again landed some huge shots on McGee's chin, which... You know, McGee showed a fantastic chin and a lot of heart, but I felt it was all Cameron through the first four rounds. I gave round five, six, and seven to Cameron as well. Round eight, an amazing round, a war. Um, you know, every time we see Chantel Cameron fight, it's all action. McGee was 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 also boxing that way, that kind of come forward war style. It, it really did steal the show, I felt, and it was fantastic to see this this as a, as a main event. I have to say, a women's fight as a main event, they stole the show, they deserved it. It was a unification, it was brilliant. Um, McGee showed, like I say, incredible heart, but I hadn't given her a round through the first eight. Uh, she wasn't as fast or as powerful or as strong as Cameron. Round nine, I gave to McGee. And round 10 I gave to McGee. I felt she was pouring all she had out. She left absolutely nothing, uh, you know, in, in, in the in the gas tank. And Chantel was boxing and moving in that 10th and final round. I wasn't sure why. She didn't seem like she wanted to engage. She, she was perhaps a little bit tired. But you know what? She deserved it. So on my card, 8-2. And yeah, the, the the judges pretty much had it 9-1, 10-0, and I think one judge gave it 9-1 with an even round or something like that. So very, very wide in the end. Um, I've spoke to Mary McGee since the fight. She sent a couple of tweets that were a little bit alarming, I felt. They were a little bit... Um, Sad to read, you know, she was saying that she doesn't think she wants to box again and she said she was a bit depressed. So I reached out to her, I had quite a long exchange with her and I'm happy to say that she seems like she's in a much better place now. So that's a great thing. I, I, I thought she boxed so well, she she gave it her all, but Chantel Cameron is just, I think, the best fighter in that division by a long way so it, it's not a bad thing to be second best and I think Mary McGee is the second best fighter in that division and she should be proud of her efforts her, her, her stock has gone up huge after the weekend just gone and she can do a lot of big things in the division still so all the best to her she she fought so bravely I was really proud of her um, moving out now to the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. This one over here, uh, Michelle Rivera with a win, now 22-0, a unanimous decision over 10 against Jose Romero. Complete shutout there over 10. Uh, Romero now 24-2. We had Jamal James now 27-2. He was TKO'd in round 9 against Radzev Butaev, who's now 14-0, so he now holds the the WBA World Welterweight title, or a version of it. Um, yeah, I watched that fight. I didn't see the stoppage because my stream died about two rounds. I think it was my battery, actually, that died about two rounds before the end. But, yeah, Jamal James started all right in the first couple rounds, but Butayev seemed to just take over and then eventually wear him down. And, like I say, he managed to get him out of there. And also on the undercard, 
Jaron Ennis with a win now 28-0, and 0, a KO in round one against Thomas Delorme. Delorme was down twice. I literally couldn't believe it. I had two boxing shows on at the same time, one on the TV and one on the iPad. And the iPad, the battery was a little bit low, so I went and put it on charge. As I say, it did eventually end up dying. So I put it on charge, and um, I'm watching the TV, and I'm kind of running back over to the other side of the room to see when Boots is going to be coming out to have his fight. And, I don't know, I probably didn't check it for about five minutes. In that time, he's walked out, got in the ring, and got his man out of there. I saw him celebrating. I was like, whoa, is this an old fight they're showing him celebrating this knockout win? No, it was that fight there. He got him out that quick. I didn't expect that. Um, You know, it's a statement to get Delorme out in one round, but I don't want to get carried away. Um, His power is certainly real. We all knew this, but once again... It wasn't a step up. It, it was a step to the side, maybe even a step back from former world champion um, Sergei Lipinets, who he boxed last time out. I want to see a step up for Ennis. He's almost getting to 30-0. Uh, there's too many names at welterweight for him to 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 um, to choose from. Like there's there's too many names to not fight these guys. There's there's uh, you know it's not full of subpar guys. There's at least 15 really good fights out there for him. Uh, people are saying he's a generational talent. Obviously, his best win at this point is against Lipinets. I'd like to see him in with Errol Spence, Terence Crawford, uh, Danny Garcia if he stays at 147, Sean Porter, Ugas, Virgil Ortiz, Mikey Garcia, Meme Machine Kavalowskis, Keith Thurman, Maurice Hooker, David Avenesian. Any of these guys, I think, would be a good next fight for him. Um, you, I know that you've unmuted yourself, Eddie. I know that you're a, a big fan of... Um, Jaron Ennis. I just want to say it reminded me a little bit of Tyson Fury in the fact that I'm saying we learnt nothing about this guy. Like people saw Tyson Fury beat Wilder for the third time and people were saying, wow, mm-hmm. that's incredible. But I didn't learn anything. I knew he could do that. Jaron Ennis, I don't think I've learned anything from that performance. I know he's good enough to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. I agree with you wholeheartedly on both on both accounts with Tyson and with Boots. And in this fight, like I like like you what you said was it was a step to the side or a step back. I'm thinking maybe a step back. Not in, in competition. We're not saying it was a bad performance. We're saying it was in competition. Um I already knew that Boots was gonna just annihilate him. It was just oh you're worried of you know wondering in what fashion and how soon. And it actually happened in the first round. The funny thing is, you were saying you were trying to go back and forth from the TV to the iPad. And my wife, me and my wife were at her father's house. And I knew the fight was coming on. And we had literally, because they wanted to so badly see the Fury Wilder replay. So we put that on and it was like 10 something Eastern Standard. So we were like, I was like, let me check and see if this fight's on. And I wanted to make sure I seen Boots. Show sure enough, I turn it on. He's about to go to the ring. So I'm like, damn, all right. You know, happy. But she's like, we're hungry. We didn't eat really all day. We got to get up out of here. I got, we don't have a lot of time. And I'm like, ah. She had ordered the food already. He's like, yo, come on. All right, look, just let me watch the first round. I swear to you. I said, let me just watch the first round. Fight starts. He hits him, drops him once. I'm like, oh, shit, wait a minute. <laughs> we might get the, This fight might be over before we even, before the first round is over. And then got up, got put back down again. But I got to say this before I finish this whole little spiel I'm putting out. That 
you see, Joe, the right hand he got caught with before he stopped him. Do you know what? I saw it, but my memory's so bad, I can't remember it. Go on. I felt like that right hand was something that is, you need to pay attention. We need to oh, pay sorry, attention to sorry, I sorry. I do remember um, Ennis got caught with with a big shot. Yeah, but a great shot. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was like, but he, it, boom. I was like, he took, as soon as he took it, he got back at him, which yeah, was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great to see I that. I do remember now. But it's, but it, but it is bad that it happened because now you think about the level gets better. The guys are going to be more crafty. They're going to be able to land shots. That like the Lorme, they're going to be, you know, they're and they're going to be around. So we're talking about the elite guys. We're talking about like if, a, if a Earl Spence is in there, he's going to be in there trying to put his hands on him. You can't be available to get caught for shots like that. Those are what they call what I like to call sleepy shots. You know what I mean? You get put to sleep on those. But anyway. Great performance. He did exactly what I would have expected. He was, and I'm thankful that he got him out in the first round, so I was able to actually see the fight. That was it. <laughs> I didn't see any of the other parts of any of the other fights because, like I said, we were watching a Fury Wilder Wilder replay, which was exciting enough to watch even for a second time. But um, he he definitely got him out of there in time for me to watch it. So that was great. Yeah, but no, congrats once again to Jaron Ennis, obviously a friend of the show, and. I think a fantastic fighter for the future. I just need a step up from him. That's all it is. You know, people are kind of comparing him and Virgil Ortiz all the time. And it's like, if you pick one, then you're you're like biased to, to that one and not the other. And and that's that's the way people see it. I think in America, there's, there's a lot of divide as well between like the Latino uh, community or the Mexican guys that are kind of riding with Virgil Ortiz would win. And then you've got the Philly people saying that, nah, 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 Jaron Ennis will beat him easy, all this stuff. I'm just completely in the middle. I don't have any... In fact, I'm more on Ennis's side because he's been on the show and Ortiz hasn't. I, I would like him to win if they were to ever fight. But the the competition at the moment uh, that Virgil Ortiz has faced has been a lot better and that's my only problem i just want to see any stepped up to that level as well and then i can i can um fully fanboy ennis <laughs> but just right, until right, then right. until then i just think at the moment um you know it's been good seeing all t's take on people like the meme machine people like maurice hooker and he's looked very good doing so obviously he's still got that um that 100 percent knockout ratio um anyway moving out to the final card to mention of the review part of the show we're going to talk about this one here at madison square garden in the theater um a great fight between carlos caraballo 14 and 0 and jonas sultan who is 17 and 5 going in now 18 and 5 he took the o away from carlos caraballo um there were several knockdowns i think there's about five knockdowns in the fight it ended up going the full 10 um, so unanimous decision over 10 there for Sultan. He's now the new WBO Intercontinental Bantamweight Champion. Um, elsewhere on the card, Jonathan Guzman, former IBF World Champion. He lost, actually. He had, I think, only gone the distance in two of his 25 fights, which you don't really see down at those kind of weights there, super bantamweight Um and yeah, he lost a split decision over eight against Carlos Jackson. A lot of people were very surprised about that there, including, I think, um, some of the crowd were booing as well. Jonathan Guzman now 24-2, and two, Carlos Jackson 18-1. And, and the main event, Jose Zapida, 
35 and 2 now a knockout in the very first round against Hose I think his name is I've forgotten how they pronounce it it's something like Hose Hose I forget it I can't be bothered whatever his name is anyway Vargas um, now 19 and 2 go on Josue Vargas Josue there we go I've been saying Hosu and Hos I don't know Josue Josue you say yeah yeah, yeah, that's what they. That's his. That's All right, Eddie, he's been, he's been. That's he's, um, Ant's guy. So yeah. Yeah, there we go. So yeah, of course. Yeah, Coach Ant was training Vargas. Um, okay, Eddie, thanks for the Mexican pronunciation. You've embarrassed me now. It's usually me with the Spanish. <laughs> yeah, don't no, no doubt. I got you this time, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Never gonna live it down. But no, um, yeah. You know, Vargas knocked out in the first round for the WBC Silver Super Lightweight title. I looked at the odds, and the odds were very, very close. Um, I think Zapita was the slight underdog in the US, but in the UK, he was pretty much even money. And I could not understand why he was even money. I really thought he'd win. I cashed in on it as well, I've got to say. I thought that Zapita was, was you know, much deeper in, in resumes with Vargas. Vargas... Hasn't always looked fantastic. Hasn't always looked full of promise like a, a complete out-and-out out top 140 fighter like Zapida, I think, has. And, um, yeah, Zapida's one of the best guys that doesn't have a belt. So, uh, you know, I expected him to do the business, and he did, but I didn't expect it to be in the first round. And it's mad because what happened at the weigh-in, obviously, for those that I'm sure... Uh, probably everyone knows now, but at the weigh-in there was a bit of a scuffle and Jose Zapida's brother got involved with some of Vargas's team and then Zapida's brother actually got banned by the commission. They said, no, he's not going to be in the corner. And if I'm not mistaken, he's been in every single corner from Jose Zapida's fights throughout his amateur and pro career. He's never not had his brother in the corner. And I think that's about, I don't know, 16 years or something every single fight they've been together and he wasn't able to be in the corner so Jose Zapida got in there they were talking about this could get in his head psychologically he doesn't have his brother there he got in there and he hit him with that excellent one-two he dropped him um, Vargas got back up the referee should have waved it off but he allowed it to carry on and Zapida steamed in and he even hit him a couple times after the referee waved it off kind of thing the referee jumped in he even gave him a couple after the after the referee jumped in I think he dedicated the performance to his brother who was sat in the crowd and I've got to say I think he's better off fighting without his brother in the corner from now on because it was probably the best the best performance he could have possibly had um, and <laughs> if his brother's not in the corner from now on he might carry on doing stuff like that but no all jokes aside uh, I couldn't believe the odds were so close um, you know there's levels to boxing obviously um, he took his anger out on Vargas and it was very personal and I've heard I've heard that there was even a bit of a scuffle or a fight perhaps after the fight as well apparently Vargas's team jumped some of Zapita's guys which I hope is false I hope that's that's fake news because that that's not cool at all um but yeah I like Zapita I want to see him I didn't know he spoke English I was quite surprised to see he speaks perfect English I'd like to see him in with some of those other guys at 140 you know there's many fights that can be made there why not him against Mario Barrios what an amazing fight that would be or him against someone like um who's the guy that Barrios beat and it was very close I think Barrios secured a knockdown in the final round to, to nick it oh man um Regis Progre is another another good fighter for 
um, Zapido. You know, there's so many fights out there for these guys at 140. It's such a hot division because Josh Taylor's got all the belts. There's a lot of guys that don't have belts that are really, really good. Like I say, um, that guy who I was trying to think of and couldn't remember his name, Batir Akhmadov. I mean, what a great fight that would be. There's so many names there. Um, Robert Easter as well is in that mix as well. There's a lot, a lot of guys. And Sandor Martin, the guy that just beat uh, Mikey Garcia. What a division 140 is. Wow. But anyway, that's it though for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap this up, the final thing to do is to welcome our first guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former light heavyweight world title challenger. It is, of course, Mr. Craig Spider-Richards. Craig, welcome back on the show, my man. Thank you. Thanks for having me back on. No problem, Craig. So we last caught up back in April. Um, it was fight week, actually, for the for the fight against Bivol. Maybe we'll revisit that in a minute. But let's start with your win on the weekend, a knockout, obviously, in round six against a good opponent. Um, tell me about the fight and how you felt you performed. Yeah, it was good. I just took my time. I just boxed. Um, I was there just going through the motions, going through the gears, just breaking him down systematically, mentally, physically. Took my time. Um, as I felt like he was breaking down the six, I just timed him, waited, caught him with a good shot, and then seized my opportunity and got him out of there. So exactly what we planned, stuck to the plan. We knew it was going to be tough. We knew it was going to be solid. I know people was making comments like, oh, how he went on the six, maybe should have done that from the first. It doesn't work like that. Um, it's about systematically breaking someone down um, that's what I did and have you had a chance to watch the fight back yet? yeah I watched it back what did you think because obviously the listeners won't know but I was with you after the fight I said that there were moments where I felt like you got tagged a little bit did you see that when you watched it back or was I just seeing that you know I'm set from my angle on the ringside maybe I'm oh, not set in the I'm good glad, place I'm glad, I'm glad you pulled that up because even having a conversation with Peter yesterday, I like I watch a lot of fighters even like around in Britain and that. And for ten to eleven, twelve rounds or maybe let's say nine, ten rounds they might have a stakeout or seven, eight, nine rounds they have a stakeout, then they get finishing the tenth. Everyone turns around and says, Oh, he got the job done, war well done, good win, he got the stoppage. With me, I can dominate every round. Get a stoppage in the sixth and people are like, Mm, but I did get caught with a punch in the second or he did. Why didn't everyone just say, you know what, that was a good performance, he dominated, got the stoppage in the sixth. I don't know if people pick holes in my performance because they expect more from me, or I don't know what it is. How come people always look at it on the opposite side, like, right, he didn't. He done well. Um, he dominated, broke him down and got the stoppage. People picking holes in everything I do. Oh, he got caught with a punch. Yeah, for boxing match, of course I'm going to get caught with a shot now and again. It's about taking a gamble. I mean, a guy who's never been stopped. Um, 24 fights, you know, and lost two on a split decision. You you got them to take chances. Otherwise, I could have boxed and not let a glove graze me for 12, but of the 10, and end up winning on points. But that wasn't about to get in the mix to get the stoppage, and that's what I did. Didn't really take much. You could probably count on less on one hand how many times I got caught with a good shot. A couple times, maybe no more than four, um, and got the stoppage. So I don't know. That's how I feel about the situation. Nice, no, fair to say. Do you know what I will say? And I don't know if you're going to see it like this, but sometimes a fighter's hairstyle can make the punch look like a bigger shot than it actually is. You know where you have like your hair up? It's funny, it's funny actually you said that because I actually was going to change my hairstyle for this fight. And <laughs> we were talking about it and I said, you know what? 
Anytime I punch Grayson, I move my head too fast. It looks like I've been caught with a big shot. So I was planning to change my hairstyle for this fight, and I thought, you know, I don't even care. I'm looking to get a stoppage anyway, so I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the hair looked beautiful, my friend. But like I say, it's... uh... It's um you know it's it's a thing that can happen and I'm I'm sitting there from my seat I haven't watched it back on TV but from my seat if it looks like a punch lands uh, bigger than it did then a judge could perhaps see it like that as the judge was only a couple of meters in front of me but anyways you got get caught with like three big punches and I'm landing twenty hundred punches should it really matter because it's not like my legs are dipped and you're seeing a, that big shot hurt me or at any time I was hurt I wasn't hurt any time it was not a shot. Well, look significant enough where you thought, oh, you better hold on here and see out no. the round or anything like that. So it's just, I just think, I just, just an observation we make for the last couple of days. If I get Nick with any shots, people will comment, but they won't comment on any other fighter who's been getting hammered, comes out the interview with one eye closed or two eyes closed or bust mouth, and then they're like, oh, we got the stoppage, good victory. But with me, I don't come out of a graze on me. But people be like, I'm sure a glove did touch him in a second. It's just, I don't know. I don't know why it works like that for me, but not others. I don't know. I, I'd I'd say I don't want to go too far off of the topic, but I remember when uh, Josh Buatzi boxed that Marco Kalic. I was one of the people who was quite critical of of um, Buatzi in that performance, and he did, you know, battle through and get the stoppage. But it wasn't, you know, it it made me really question a lot of, you know, a lot of his uh, hype, I guess, you know. So I don't know. Okay, but I've not I've not come out. Of- were near any war scars like that in any fight no, I've no, been no, in. No, yeah, but no. yet, like, even if I've had a tough fight, people mention it like six fights later. But that fight will be forgotten about by his next fight or the fight after. But mm. it doesn't work like that for me. If I even have a tough fight, it gets mentioned for like the next ten fights. But if that happened to me, then people wouldn't uh, people wouldn't let me off the hook, and that's why I don't understand why it's like that for me comparing my like compared to other fighters. But when it is comparing to other fighters, it's just observation that I kind of made that people really like nick pit anything i do yeah but it's like look at the chad sugden fight it was a close fight admittedly right it was it wasn't as easy as everyone thought it was going to be including you but then you go away uh chad sugden loses to pitters quite clearly you smash pitters out the park no one's talking about your your fight with chad sugden now you know they are because you know what i watched it back and they didn't mention one thing about my knockout with shakan pitters nothing about jake ball nothing all they said was in around five I remember he had a tight, close fight with Chad, but we weren't expecting before. You know, I knew Chad was tough because he's from my area, like Chris Lloyd said. Um, that's what they mentioned. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm glad you actually brought that point up because that's what they mentioned on Saturday night. None of my Jeez. fights after that, not the knockout, not the British title, nothing. Wow, that's crazy. I don't know why that was brought up. But, um... And that's what I'm saying to you. Exactly. I'm glad you even brought that up because this is my point exactly. Why wouldn't you just mention that he just he KO'd Shakam for the British? Why are you mentioning the Chad fight? What was before that? Yeah, no, I don't. I I don't know. I wouldn't be mentioning that. I'd be mentioning your fight with Bivol and your fight with um with with Peters. That'd be this my is what team. I'm saying. That's what you would thingy. That wasn't even a title fight. It was an eight rounder. Why would you mention that as a significant moment? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Um. Yeah, I mean, this guy obviously was was kind of like high risk, low reward. No one knew too much about him. If you analyse his record, as you mentioned, he only had two losses. Both were split decisions. One of them, by the way, was a loss to a guy that he'd previously beaten on a split himself. So, you know, he had two fights with, with, with one guy. They both beat each other one time. You can almost rub that one out. And, and if you want to get yeah. technical, he did knock out Tony Avalan quicker than Anthony Yard could do it, by the way. Um, 100%. 
he didn't obviously have a big name here in the UK, but it was once, it was a go and on, once go on. That, that draw that he got on his record against that guy, fifty to no twelve KOs. Obviously, that was the golden boy in their country. People mm-hmm. were saying he actually won that and he got a draw. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. Like I say, he, he didn't obviously have the big name here in the UK, but it was a good win, obviously. Um, what does it do for you, Craig? Obviously, a win against a guy like that who we didn't know tons about. He didn't have a stellar reputation here in the UK. But what does it do for you moving forward, that win? It kind of reassures me my level for one because there was obviously the people for obviously I smashed through British level. Then I come up short um, at world level. So it's kind of like, where's he at? And I've now exactly. got the middle opponent to see if I had a stake out and a split decision with him, then that's kind of where your level is, that international level, European um, and if I blew him away, I, I kind of then kind of makes it look like okay, he is at world level. If I lost to him, then it's back down to British level. So it was kind of a benchmark to see where I'm at, and also it was another strap, another title, which pushes me up in the world rankings further now, um, and also pushing me up in yeah all the rankings. So it's done good for me personally for my career, and a lot of people in the boxing world who knows like who proper knows boxing came up to me in a week saying. This is not an easy fight. I know this guy. It's a hard fight. And they said, and it's annoying because a lot of the um, casuals won't know who he is and mm-hmm. they think it's an easy fight, but this is a very difficult fight. Um, and I said, yeah, I know, but I'm not here to come back and take someone we know I'm going to blow out in one round and, you know, say, yeah, I'm back. And we all know that he was a shit guy. This guy we knew was solid, 24 fights. He was solid. My hands was hurting every time I was hitting his head. He was solid. 24 fights, never been hurt, never been dropped, never been stopped. And I think being the first one to do that in the 25th fight caused a statement. And you mentioned levels there, Craig. Um, and, and you're right in what you say. You destroyed an unbeaten British champion. You lost, in my opinion, very narrowly to an unbeaten world champion in Bivol. Um, you, you talk about that kind of level in between. Obviously, the level in between uh, would be like European title level. Where do you feel right now you're at? What level do you feel you're at? European or world? I feel I personally think I'm world level. I'm showing that, but Fox won the pound for pound super world champion and coming up a round short um, on two of the judges' scorecards obviously shows I'm world level. He's in a world elite level. Um, a world champion who's boxed him hasn't done as well as I've done. So it kind of shows that I should be, I'm at world level. But it's always good to just tick it off on paper that by showing people this. Um, so for me, I believe world level, European level, any of them sort of um, opportunities come up, I'd be willing to prove myself at any of them levels. But I feel like as it goes so far, I believe I've shown on world level. And out of all our light heavyweights in Britain, obviously, I'm going to just mention the top ones, you, Callum, uh, Johnson, Anthony Yard, I'm not going to mention Boatsy just yet, or Lyndon Arthur. Uh, you've got a thing in common with, with, with two of those guys, obviously. You, you've all boxed for world titles, you came up short. They both got knocked out, you didn't. Uh, they they did come close to winning their fights, though. Obviously, Johnson dropped Paterbiev. Yard seemingly had Kovalev in trouble. How as fans can... Uh, you know, maybe the most critical fan. How could how can how can that fan determine who is the best out of all of you guys if we don't end up seeing those domestic fights that I well, don't know. Back s- what, you just said. what did you just say? Everyone else got stopped at world level, right? But I come up with a round short. Does 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 that not like give you an indication that I've just slipped from me, and I didn't even go through the gears. You can see there was more to me. Um, I get it. Fans 
Um, and I've I've kind of played into the fans' hands over my over my years, and I thought like the fans wasn't really giving me back in much in terms of my credentials as the casuals, um, the casuals' opinions. And that's when I started thinking, you know, I can't just keep pleasing the crowd. Hmm. Okay, all right. Um, Callum Smith now up at one seven five. Uh, a lot of people already automatically assuming he's probably even the best at 175, despite only having one fight at the weight, simply due to his reign at 168 and the fact Canelo didn't get him out of there. Um, where do you think he fits into this mix domestically in terms of the best? Well, I believe, as you said, like he's been world champion, at, although he's at super middleweight. He came in, had a good fight at light heavyweight, and it was a good fight, and he got the stoppage. So... Arguably, he can argument to be up there with everyone else. Um, I think he's a very good fighter, Callum Smith. Um, and yeah, someone has said, oh, um, I believe that Callum's the best, or I believe he's top two or top three. I couldn't turn around and say, how could you say that? He's a good fighter. He's been there at the top. And I want to ask you this as well. Forget about domestic, the, the domestic scene for a second here, but who, in your opinion, would you say... Uh, maybe the top five in the world at 175 from, you know, starting with the best? Uh, I can't really have a top five. I could have a top two. I'd say Bivol and Batavia mm, definitely okay. have proved their levels above, well, not going to say level above the rest because obviously Bivol only come one round short against me, one, one round against me, but I believe they've proven that they should be ranked as the best two. Okay, all right. And I was going to ask you this as well, Craig. I wanted to ask if there's anyone that you want to fight. Obviously, people throw the the, uh, the the Joe Smith fight at you. I know you're interested in that one. People talk about the Bivol rematch. I'm not sure how you feel about that one. Is there anyone on your radar at all? Um, obviously, people want to hear you say the domestic names, but forget about that. I'm just asking well, you well, your I, personal. Guys, I, um, I wouldn't mind a Bivol rematch, the Joe Smith Jr. fight. Uh, the Bowder League fight, he's a European champion, I think, now. Crush Nico, IBO, he was the WBA interim, but I'm not sure if they took that away. Um, they're all champions at the moment. Um, they've all got belts I haven't won yet. So, them four are probably the guys that I would like to, you know, um, fight and move forward in my career. And I spent some time with you after the fight on Saturday night and I was with you for probably about five or six interviews that you did afterwards. I know everyone asked you your opinion for Anthony Yard and Lyndon Arthur, so I'm purposely not going to ask that question because I heard you <laughs> answer it. What I will say, and it's probably a question you're going to be happier to answer, December 17th, I want your 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 um, prediction for this one. In Canada, Artur Baturbiev takes on Marcus Brown. Very good fight. Yeah. Very good fight. Um, I think it's perfect fight to watch to gauge the uh, division. Marcus Brown's come off some good wins. He obviously then lost to Pascal. Um, and Baturviev is obviously a monster, but people said they think he might be getting a little bit old and slowing down. Um, if that's true, Marcus Brown will probably be the one to bring it out because he's young and he's fresh and he's active. So it kind of gauges, it gets this show as a benchmark of where they're both at. So I'm very interested in watching that fight. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I can't wait myself. I remember what Marcus Brown did to Badu Jack's head. It was, uh, it was disgusting. Um, 
<laughs> it was disgusting. But yeah, just before we wrap it up, Craig, if you've got any closing words to the listeners, it's always great having you on. We always have a bit of a debate. <laughs> yeah, we do. I just want to thank everyone who's always supporting me, um, been behind me, um, following my journey, following me on the socials, following what I'm doing next and coming out to my shows. And of course, follow, um, thanking all my sponsors who've been behind me and supporting from Lewis Access to Me Art to the Mill Team. Um, to obviously Elite Fleet, Everlast, um, Sports Direct, um, and the rest who's been behind me the whole time. And obviously my physio, my strength coaches, and of course the biggest thanks obviously Peter Sims, who's really been guiding my career and helping me day to day in the gym. Yeah, well said, man. Excellent words. It, it's it's great to see the the support that you had on Saturday night. It was fantastic. The reception that you got in the O2, and obviously, if you live in Crystal Palace on Saturday, it was perfect. You saw uh, Palace obviously beat Man City, and then you do the business against the. The, the, the tough guy from Poland. But listen, Craig, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Congrats again on the win. Thank you for your time, and I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Thank you. Speak to you soon, brother. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. I'm going to start here with the fact that the unbeaten two-time world champion David Benavidez was set to take on, of course, Jose Uzcategui. Uzcategui has, has been pulled out of the fight, failing a drugs test. In steps a replacement, Kyrone Davis, who I believe kind of, you know, his name got um, somewhat noticed in the world of boxing because he had a fight with... Was it, um, I think it was, um, was it Anthony? No, it wasn't Anthony. It was, I'm sure it was, no, it was Anthony. Yeah, he had a fight with Anthony Durrell and it was a split draw after 12 rounds. That was back in February of this year. Um, he also lost the fight to Patrick Day. Rest in peace, Patrick Day, of course. Um, yeah, so, yeah, he's not going to be any match for, for um, David Benavidez. But then I guess there's not really any kind of... Uh, not much of a choice, really, with with this little time to go. It's what is it? Is is the fight's taking place on the thirteenth of of November? So just over a week now. It's not really enough time for a big fighter to want to step in and risk their o. Um, so yeah, in steps Kyron Davis, sixteen and two with a draw, only six knockouts, never been stopped. I think that's probably one of the reasons they pulled him in because David Benavidez wanted to be the first person to stop Uzkategi, so he's going to now want to be the first person to stop Kyron Davis. Wouldn't want to be him. Um, what else have we got? We have. Connor Ben and Katie Taylor, they're going to be fighting on December 11th at the MS Bank Arena in Liverpool. Um, it's going to be a big night of boxing that Matchroom's going to be putting on there. No opponents just yet for either of them, but it's good to see them both back out. Connor Ben was in um, was at the O2 Arena when I was there on Saturday night, and I got to say I can't remember what brand his um, his kind of jumper or jacket was, but it looked he looked really cool in that. It looked like some kind of wrapper or something. It looked really cool. This white fluffy jumper. Um, yeah, Lomachenko against Richard Comey. Richard Comey, friend of the show. That one takes place also on December 11th. So that's going to be a busy afternoon there. It's taking place at the Madison Square Garden. We've also got Jared Anderson against Alexander Teslenko as the heavyweight co-feature. There you go, Eddie. I know you like Jared Anderson. He's going to be on that one. And Nico Ali Walsh as well on the undercard, along with that guy, 
Xander Zayez, or whatever his name is, from Puerto Rico. So that should be good there. It's a really risky fight, I think, Lomachenko taking on Richard Comey. Richard Comey, one of the very biggest punchers in the division. However, obviously lost in brutal fashion to Teofimo Lopez. Um, what else do we have? We have the fact that Nonito Donaire is defending his WBC Bantamweight World title against the undefeated Raymar Gabayo. That one also takes place December 11th. So we've got a PBC show there clashing with a top-ranked show. That's not great. That means there's going to be multiple devices in front of me on December 11th. Um, so yeah, Raymar Gabayo, I remember him fighting. It was... Um, Emmanuel Rodriguez. It was Emmanuel Rodriguez, and he pretty much lost every single round, but they gave him the fight in his last fight. It was a split decision. Um, he won it wide on some of the cards, which was disgraceful. Um, so, yeah, he should not have won that fight. He should have lost to Emmanuel Rodriguez. And by the way, that messed up my bet. I had a big bet to win um, over £100, and that. That messed up result actually cost me the money there. So he takes on Nonito Donaire. They're both from the Philippines. I hope Nonito Donaire, you know, does well, gets him out of there. I'd love to see that. Nonito Donaire, friend of the show, one of the best guys in boxing, one of the coolest people. Um, we've got the fact that this is a great fight. I cannot wait for this one here. Devin Haney defending his world title against Joseph Jojo Diaz. It takes place in Las Vegas. Uh, the fight is set for December 4th. What an amazing fight that is. He's kind of coming a little bit on late notice there, Jojo Diaz. Both guys been on the show before. Um, that's going to be a cracking fight there. What a test there for, for Devin Haney. I mean, if he beats Diaz, that's that's going a long way there. And if Diaz beats him, then wow, that's a bad place that Haney's going to find himself in. I have to say, what a great fight. Um, Javante Davis was set to defend his title, of course, against Rolando Romero. Uh, Romero has been pulled out of that due to some serious sexual crime allegations against him. Wouldn't want to comment on if it's true or not. I hope it's not true, of course. But, um, yeah, he's been pulled out of that fight in steps. Isaac Cruz. Again, that's going to be December the 5th, which is a Sunday. It's a weird one. Um, yeah, it's a messed up situation with with Rolando Romero. I liked the press conference he had, um, but yeah, it's not really, um, you know, it's, 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 it should, it shouldn't, shouldn't be something that he's getting involved in. If he, if he, if he is guilty of these alleged offences, because it's pretty disgusting. I mean, I think we can all agree on that one. Um, so yeah, hopefully he, he's, he's innocent and he can somehow get his boxing career back on track, but he was about to get a huge payday on a huge, uh, platform. Not many people felt he had a chance, um, but yeah, you know, it was it was gonna uh, it was gonna certainly be must-watch TV. And now he's out of that fight. In steps Isaac Cruz, 22 and one with one draw. This guy beat Francisco Vargas last time out. Um, he's also got a win over Diego Magdaleno. Um, yeah, he's okay. I remember watching that fight against Vargas. He's not too bad, Isaac Cruz, but shouldn't really be any match for Javante Davis, I wouldn't have felt there. And it's just been announced as well, this one. It's a great, great, great fight. It's going to be taking place on the undercard of Joseph Parker and Derek Chisora, which again is on December 18th in Manchester, and it's going to be on DAZN. Um Apart from if you're in New Zealand or Samoa, then it's on some kind of other channel there. So if you're if you're a Joseph Parker fan uh, in in Samoa or New Zealand, these two 
these two um, places that he's from, then you can't watch it on the zone. But it's a great fight for the undercard. We have Joshua Boatsy against former world title challenger Maxim Vlasov. That's a really tough fight for Boatsy there. Vlasov is the guy that boxed um, Joe Smith Jr. for the WBO world title. And a lot of people felt Vlasov did enough to win that, by the way. Joe Smith might have got a hometown decision. I don't know. I'm not saying. But, um, yeah, that's a tough fight for Boatsy. Actually, I might even put some money there on Vlasov. Um, anyway, that's it for the news part of the show. Moving out now to the preview part we're going to start here on friday the 5th of november firework night here in the uk um on the undercard we have lewis crocker 13 and 0 against artem heroyan who's 17 and 2 with a draw that's for the wbo european welterweight title sean mccomb 12 and 1 in against ronnie clark 21 and 5 with two draws not sure what ronnie clark's got left at this point but I tell you what, if he can roll back the years a little bit, that's a tough old fight there for McComb. I'm going to be watching that one for sure. And I'm not sure if it's the main event, but Pad Padraig McCrory, 12-0 in a 10-rounder against Ceslo or Celso Neves, who's 18. Sorry, I'm reading that wrong. 8-1 with a draw. That's for the WBC International Silver Super Middleweight title. Moving out now to the Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. Over here on ESPN Plus and I think Sky Sports, we have topping the bill, friend of the show, Michaela Meyer, 15-0. She's defending her WBO World Female Super Featherweight title against the IBF World Super Featherweight champion, Maver Hamadouche, who is 22-1 with 18 KOs. She's a woman that really can punch at featherweight. That's going to be interesting there. Michaela Meyer. And, and Hamadouche, it's been a fight that's been in the works for a long time. It's a unification. That means we're seeing here a unification last weekend with Chantel Cameron and Mary McGee and a unification this weekend in women's boxing as well between Michaela Meyer and Maver Hamadouche. What a fantastic place women's boxing is in. And by the way, both of those fights of both, you know, they're, they're both um, main event bill toppers. It's brilliant stuff. It really is. Um... What else do we have? Nothing else really on the undercard. Moving out now to the Hala Sportowa in Poland. Over here, former world champion Krzysztof Vladarczyk, 59-4 with a draw. He's in search of win number 60 in an eight-rounder against Maximiliano Jorge Gomez, who's 29-5. Um, do you know what? I don't understand why Vladarczyk does this. He, he goes away and he... Goes back to Poland, has a few fights against guys that are so, you know, their records are, are just nothing near his, you know. Like, it's been weird. His last big fight was against Gassiev in 2017, you know. He, he lost the fight, got knocked out in round three. He's gone back back home, and he's had about six or seven fights against guys that are not that good. He did beat uh, Duradola. That was an okay win. But other than that, I mean... Guys that are 17 and 14, 20 and 3, 18 and 2, 19 and 4, 6 and 2 in his last fight. And now Maximiliano Jorge Gomez, 29 and 5. Um, hmm. Let's have a little look at that record. Who has he lost to? Dominic Bozell, he got knocked out by him. Blake Caparello lost to him on points. Walter Sequeira, oh my gosh. I remember him getting, getting beaten by Anthony Yard. He lost to a debutant at one point, yeah. Don't want to see any more of that one. Um, okay, that's it for Poland. Moving on swiftly to the Utilita 
Arena in Birmingham. Over here, we have on this card, return to the ring for Ryan the Piranha Garner, 10-0 in an eight-rounder against Pedro Gomez, 9-1. We've got Denzel Bentley in his fight back after losing to Felix Cash. I think this is the first time he's been back. 14-1 with a draw in a 10-rounder against Sam Evans, 10-1 with a draw. Good fight to come back there. Nathan Heaney, 13-0. He's going to bring such a brilliant crowd as he did last time he boxed there. He's fighting here for the vacant IBO international middleweight title against Sladan Janjanin, who's 30 and 8. I've seen that name before. Makes me want to quickly check his record, actually, which I will do. Um, seen that name before, Janjanin. I know I have. He has been in there with... He's got 23 KOs in 30 wins, actually, from Bosnia. Um, he's been in there with... I know I've seen it before. Yeah, he's been in there with Martin Murray. That's probably where I've seen it from. Okay, yeah. Been in there with Martin Murray. There we go. Okay, and the main event for that one, Zach Parker, friend of the show, 21-0, ranked number one in the world with the WBO in the, in the super middleweight rankings. He's literally about to be... Canelo's mandatory. He takes on 24-4 Marcus Morrison, who's coming off that loss um, to Chris Eubank Jr., I think. No, he's boxed against journeyman Louis Van Pooch. He beat him on points in August. Okay, okay. That's probably why he needed a win to bounce back into this fight here. I'm expecting Zach Parker probably to become the first person to stop Morrison. In fact, no, Morrison's been stopped, hasn't he? No, he hasn't. He hasn't. I thought he almost got stopped against... Um, Oh, God, was it um, Jason Wellborn? I thought, I thought, no, I can't remember now. My apologies. Um, where were we there? Yeah, moving out now to the Patapsco Arena in Baltimore, Maryland, USA. Over here, undefeated prospect Lorenzo Simpson, 10-0 in an eight-rounder. No opponent just yet for him. We've got Hassim Rackman Jr., 12-0 in a six-rounder against Emilio Salas, who's 6-3-1. We've got Sharif Rackman, 5-0 in a six-rounder against John Brewer, who's 3-3-1. And moving out to... Um, the Olympic Youth Development Center, this one taking place, I think, oh God, where is it taking place? It's taking place somewhere in Africa, I can't remember where now, but we've got Julius Indongo, 23-4, and four, in against Limbani Chikapa, who's 9-7, and seven. Indongo, I think, coming off that knockout defeat to a to a guy that was it Hassan Wackingo, I think it was that he got knocked out by. Anyway, he's back here, Julius Ndongo, former former unified world champion. And the big one at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. On the undercard, let's run for it here. Um We've got Rancis Barfelemy, 28 and 1, with a draw in an eight-rounder against Gustavo David Vittori, who's 25 and 9 with a draw. Rancis Barfelemy, a guy that a lot of people don't like seeing him fight. They call him, I've heard people call him Rancid Bartholomew because you just don't want to see him fight. He's got such a horrific style. Um, so he's on the undercard. You've also got Ray Vargas, 34-0, and 0, the Mexican fighter. Used to be a world champion. I'm not sure what happened for him to lose his title because, you know, he hasn't boxed since... July of 2019, he defended it successfully there, his Super Bantamweight world title against Tomoki Kameda, and he hasn't boxed since, so he's lost the title, not sure what's gone on there, hope it wasn't a drug thing, but he's in against Leonardo Baez, who's 21-4, and four. again, not the best fighter to watch, Ray Vargas, um, 
What else do we have? We've got Elvis Rodriguez, 11-1 with a draw against Juan Pablo Romero, who's 14-0. We've got Anthony Durrell, 33-2 with two draws. Friend of the show, he's in a 10-rounder against Marcos Hernandez, who is 15-4 with two draws. That's about it. Let's move on to the main event. Um, it's for the undisputed middleweight or super middleweight world titles, I should say. The WBC, WBA, IBF, and WBO um, world titles, obviously Caleb Plant bringing his IBF, his record 21-0, still undefeated against Saul Canelo Alvarez, 56-1 with a draw, I'm going to keep it short Eddie because I don't have too much to add to this, all I want to say is I really admire Caleb Plant through the, the things he's been through outside of the ring, um, horrific stuff, I've got a soft spot for him, um, he's been on the show a couple of times, I really like the guy, I like his attitude, I like the way he believes in himself, I know he believes he's going to win this fight, he's not going to be a guy that's going to turn up just for the payday, absolutely not, um, he has at times seemed like a man on a mission, He's come through stiff tests. We talked about Uzkategi earlier on. He absolutely toyed with Uzkategi. Didn't stop him, but had him down a few times. And he was the underdog there. And since he's become a champion, something's clicked. He's still fighting like a hungry fighter. He isn't a guy that I think feels he's 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 you know he's he's achieved what he set out to do just yet. He still fights like a challenger. Um, didn't have a great. I can't remember if he had a great night when he boxed Caleb Truax. I think it was a bit of a boring fight. Maybe he should have got Truax out of there. But I know he's well up for this. This is as big as it gets. It's on pay-per-view in the US. It's on pay-per-view in the UK. Um, this is the biggest it gets, you know, and it's it's become quite personal with the the you know the slap or whatever you want to call it, the punch, the the shove at the at the at the weigh in, well not the weigh in at the press conference they did about a month or so ago. Hopefully the cut doesn't open back up, but it's very personal, and I'd love to see Caleb pull it off. I really would. I'd love to see Caleb Plant do the business, but it's a tough tough ask against probably the pound for pound best fighter in the world. I agree. Yeah, it was the same kind of thing you you were saying that I was thinking as well. Um, there's a lot that Caleb, Caleb Plant can do. He's a good fighter. He has great boxing skills, great ability, and all of that. But Canelo is probably probably the best or one of the best fighters on on the earth right now, as far as like being able to, you know, just just his skill level is extremely high. Great defensively, um, carries power in both hands. Great counter puncher, very, very, very difficult to hit and put your hands on him. It's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a rough night for Caleb. To be honest, I'm not saying I'm not disqualifying like he has no chance. He absolutely has a chance. He can box. He, he punches decent. You know what I mean. But I just don't think that's gonna be enough. You know what I mean. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a rough. It's gonna be a hard night for him. Let's say that if he was some way in some way able to figure out how to get. You know, to get it done, you know what I mean? It's still not going to be an easy one. He's going to feel some heavy shots, some of the heaviest shots he's ever felt in his career. And they're going to be coming from, you know, all crazy angles that he's never seen before. So, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's still at the end of the day, it's boxing. But <laughs> we got one, we got we got both two high-level guys, but one is just, I think, another step or so above. So it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good night of boxing. And I would like to see Caleb Plant do really well, but I think the reality of it is, uh, you know, Canelo's just, I think, at this point, a little too good for the kid. At this point, you know, hopefully in the future, if 
he doesn't find a way to get this one, you know, he'll have another shot at something like this to get back on top. Yeah, it's it's a tough ask, like I said. I'd love to see him do it. He's got skills, but it just seems like at the moment Canelo is the closest thing to unbeatable as as, as humanly possible, you know. He he's looked so good, he's looked so dominant. I don't think he's I don't know, maybe he lost a couple rounds to Billy Joe Saunders, maybe. Apart from that, I mean God, he's just been he's just been unbelievable. Um so yeah, you'd have to favour him heavily. I I, I'm not sure if he gets a stoppage. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't want him to get a stoppage. Um, I, I'd like to see Caleb kind of, you know, not get knocked out. I'd like to see him win, but secondary, if he if he's not going to win, I don't want to see him get knocked out. But I think it's very possible. I wouldn't want to bet against it. Um, but yeah, we're in we're in Caleb's corner for sure. We'd love to see him do it, but it's a it's a tough tough ask. We're not going to, uh, you know, dumb it down or try and. Uh, be unrealistic here but yeah anyway that brings the preview part to a close um hopefully this time next week we're talking about the new hopefully caleb plant has done the business we shall see but like i said that brings the preview part to a close the final thing for me to do is to welcome our second and final guest on this week's podcast Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated world super featherweight contender it is of course mr archie sharp arch welcome back on the show my man Sorry, my man. How you doing? You okay? Good, good, good. Always good when speaking with you, Arch. So, we last spoke back in July, um, obviously just after the win against Andre Chavez, but you were, of course, back out on the weekend. The points win over uh, a, a very tough Alexis Cabor. Walk me through the fight, Arch, for those that didn't see it. I know that there was a problem with a stream on the night, unfortunately. Yeah, so the fight went, well, the fight went to plan for myself, really. It was just more about getting back in, sticking to the boxing, not getting myself drawn into any um, to any silly fights, basically, like with the cuts and things like that. So, um, yeah, went to my game plan. I stuck to the boxing, won every round very comfortably. Probably the only thing i never done was got him out of there, I think. That's the only sort of criticism for myself is not getting him out of there. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm pleased that it was just a clear victory, get behind a jab, and I think I threw the jab more times in that fight than I have done in in the past three fights together. So, um, so no, it was, it was a good good win. Did you at any point think you'd be able to stop him? Obviously, he hadn't been stopped in 17 years. Those old school African fighters are something else in terms of their toughness. Yeah, very tough kid, you know, and I think it surprised me because I, like, I, I did cut him as well with a good shot to the, uh, with a right hand. So, like I say, he was a very tough kid. Uh, maybe if I put the pressure on a little bit, I hurt him around the body a couple of times, but... Like I say, for myself, it was just more the whole fact of just getting in there, sticking to a game plan, um, and getting just being injury-free. So to hopefully get out again in December. So that was kind of that was my main goal. Okay. And did you feel you made a statement in any way with that win? Obviously, considering you're at the top of the world rankings, we saw Heron and Stevenson fight the week before. Stevenson made a statement. Do you feel you made a statement when it when it was your turn to perform? I feel like for myself, it was just more about just worrying what I needed to do. It was because the last few fights, and it's my second fight now with my new team, and I feel like from the last fight I had with Chavez, I could have done exactly the same um, what I'd done this fight. But last fight, I got drawn into a fight, got cut, um, and made some silly mistakes. Where this time, I feel like I probably I could count on one hand how many times I got hit in 10 rounds. So for myself, it was... 
Um, it was just major, it was just more concentrating on my own game and getting back to my own game and not worrying about everything else. So, it, so for myself, I made a statement knowing that I can just get back to my boxing, stick to a game plan, listen to the coach, um, and and that was what it was all about doing on Friday. And a good thing that I just want to say here is that obviously the listeners, everyone knows we're good friends. We haven't spoken at all um, since the fight. I was there on Friday, I saw the fight, but we haven't spoken. And sometimes it's good because what we say on here is like very organic. You don't really know my feelings about the performance until we kind of speak. So I want to say, um, obviously I was, like I say, watching it from the front row. And I was thinking to myself, I swear to God, I was thinking the old Archie Sharp is back. Because I'm not sure what happened, but since the, I want to say, Jordan McCory fight, you haven't really boxed the same way. This perhaps could have been, uh, you know, saved for a private conversation between us, but I think you you won't mind me being honest here. Um, You know, the Jordan McCory fight, good performance. The Declan Geraghty fight, spectacular knockout, but a really difficult fight while it lasted. Obviously, the Ramlavs fight, an all-out phone booth war, the Jeff Afori fight, way too close, but it was a sparring partner. You know, I'll let you off for that one. And obviously, the Andre Chavez fight, a bit of a rough and rugged fight. This one, though, was dominant from start to finish, and it was the Archie Sharp from a couple of years ago that hits and doesn't get hit, and that shows off all of all of his moves, the footwork, the switching of the stances while throwing combinations, the judging of distance. Is it fair to say, or, or do you agree with me, that it was like your old self again? Yeah, I feel like, do you know what, you hit the nail on the head, and that's the, that's the kind of reaction I wanted to get. Um, from people like yourself and boxing fans and boxing who know their boxing, it's not everybody knows now that Archie Sharp's got a major heart. I'm game as I'm game as they can be. Do you know what I mean? I don't care for anyone. I can get in a fight. It's not a problem. But the realistic of it, the reason why I won so many national titles was because I, I hit and not got hit. Do you know what I mean? That was the beauty of it. I I could switch in and out, and just no not not getting a glove landed on me. And I feel like the last few fights I've let that slip and got myself let my ego get get the best of me. I, I don't know if we've... Um, obviously, we haven't spoke uh, since um, what's it called? Obviously, before the fight, we spoke. And I did say to you, I think on the phone, I just want to get back to my boxing. And um, and yeah, I, I feel like hearing, obviously, your outcome of it, who is definitely, it's fair to say, loves their boxing and knows their boxing very well. Um, I'm, I'm pleased that you, you was happy with the performance as well because that's the kind of reaction I wanted, mate. Um, get back to the boxing, hit and not get hit, and and look good doing it and win comfortably. Yeah, and it was it was brilliant to see. And I would even say, Archie, that and you'll maybe disagree with this, but the way you beat Leon Woodstock was the old Archie. If you'd have fought Leon Woodstock between maybe the McCory fight and the Andre Chavez fight he might have even been able to drag you into a war and you'd have been throwing away your advantages because you seemed like you lost yourself for about four fights and now you're back again. Yeah, I think it's fair to say I definitely lost myself for a little while and that's why I think there's so many people who tried jumping on the bandwagon and, and, and tried to call me up because really, now I'm back, Like there's, I feel like there'll be a lot, lot more silent, silent fighters out there now because I'm back. Um, and there's just so much more to improve. Like I say, the only thing I didn't do was put the fellow away. Um, but the boxing ability, it's, it's all come back. Do you know what I mean? I feel, I feel like my career is just starting again now. Do you know, like with my new team, obviously we had the Chavez fight, and I did say I overwhelmed myself. And but that's how, how I box on the weekends. How I've been looking, sparring, hitting, and not get hit. And I feel like I, I demonstrated that on Friday. 
And now, and to be honest with you, it doesn't matter what opponent was in there with me, whether it was even a world-class opponent in there on uh, on Friday, I stuck to the game plan. No matter who was there, I was just sticking to my to my boxing. And and I feel like, like I say, I showcased uh, a lot of skill, uh, hands down, hands up, uh, distance, off stop, southpaw, jabs, range. Like you say, I threw all sorts of shots in the book. Um, yeah, I was I was I was pleased with the performance. And do you know at all why you lost yourself for those few fights? I know, obviously, you mentioned you you changed your trainer. You were with your other trainer since you were seven years of age. Um, you're now without Smith. Did that performance on Friday night at York Hall show us that you're now finally fully settled in with Al now? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the it'll be coming up a year soon. I've been with Al now, and it's fair to say that I'm back. I'm back to myself for better. Um, that's, I think that's fair to say now that I'm back to my old self, but better. And what did Al think of your performance, Archie? Yeah, I was very pleased, and I think as well with the feedback, a lot of boxing people have been who know their boxing uh, and who love to just not 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 there for for the wars. Do you know what I mean? They're there for the boxing skill alone. And I think he's had a lot of phone calls and feedback, saying it's probably the best that I've looked for a very long time, if not one of the best performances I've had, just due to the fact of stand disciplined and because I could have easily made that a silly fight by just because the African kid was tough he wanted to come forward and he wanted to throw shots so I feel like if I stood in the centre of the ring and just threw shots with him at a close range it could have been a messy fight there could have been cuts it could have been it could have been a lot closer than what it was but I think it's fair to say that I won 10 rounds pretty convincingly every minute of the rounds really I don't feel like in the fight there was any any point there where I was under any pressure or, or even getting hit really and you mentioned you've looked like you did on Friday night. You've looked like that in sparring. Have you made any changes, uh, you know, in camp in terms of preparation that enabled you to up your game like you did, or was it more of a mental change, perhaps, rather than physical? I think it's more of a mental change to be honest. Uh, to be honest with you, Joe, because like I say, I've always had the ability there. I can throw shots from all sorts of angles. This is why I stress myself. I stress the people that. I can beat Shakur Stevens. I can beat these world-level fighters because I know how good this, the ability or skills that I've got. It's just that it was just mentally. I feel like I've just lost myself mentally um, in the last few fights, wanting to knock people out, wanting to stand there and trade. Um, I know my my knockout ratio doesn't really justify how hard I hit as a super featherweight with only nine stoffies, but I feel like that's just down to myself. Like like I say, in that fight there, I just went into cruise mode. Like I, I've got the power to put anyone away. We know that with Declan. We know that with other with other fighters. Um, even I had no disrespect to Jordan McCory, very tough man. But after the third round, I, I don't know if I showed you my hands. I had pictures of my hands. They were like balloons. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and that was why I couldn't get that job finished. But I feel like now I'm back. My boxing skills are back. Everything mentally, I'm in the best best shape mentally um, and physically so I'm very excited for what's 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 to come now in the near future and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times but I wanted to get your take on Shakur's performance against Jamel Herring for me it was highly impressive especially as Herring was coming off his career best win knocking out Frampton in the fight before yeah I think it's great uh, I think it's fair to say that Shakur definitely performed on the night however I feel like with um, Jamel I do generally believe that if that was me in the ring that night, there would have been the same sort of performance regarding the young youth and the young speed and, and the hunger. I think that's what kind of beat Jamel Herring that night was just that, unfortunately, he just looked like he aged overnight. 
Um, yes, he did come off a career best against Frampton. However, Frampton was a smaller man, and also they're both at the end of their career. I feel like it was just that Frampton did. Um, Jamel did look very good against Frampton, uh, but I just generally do believe that they're both both fighters at the end of their career, and the bigger man just beat beat the, uh, the little man, and that's and that's what I, that's kind of my um, my view on that. And then obviously Shakur got in there last week and he's just a young hungry fighter and it showed from the first jab I think the first jab that got thrown you could just see that Shakur um, Jamel was just out of his uh, he was just a bit too slow and Archie what what is next for you have you got any idea when you're next out well I'm hoping to be out in December that's why the whole reason was sticking to a game plan not getting hit on a Friday and um, from, from now onwards but yeah so I'm hoping to be out again before Christmas That's that's what I'm aiming for um, and we'll just see if, if we can get out even better. And is there anyone on your radar apart from Shakur Stevenson, which is obviously the you know the the top of the list? I'm sure. Not really. Now I feel like that it's just a matter of trying to build myself in a mandatory position. Like we, we've heard him. I know he's mentioned me a few times now, so I'm obviously on his radar. But uh, he keeps saying he wants the Oscar Valdez fight. If not, he wants to move to one three five. Um, but so now what I've got to do. So I know he's not gonna take me as a voluntary fight should I say he's made that pretty clear because he wants to Valdez or move up so I've now got to put myself in a position ASAP where I'm mandatory so he has to so he has to have the fight and I know that you've obviously had some uh, exchanges back and forth stuff like that on Twitter with Shakur Stevenson Shakur's been on this show a couple of times in the past um, have you got any words for him at all I feel like Shakur knows 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 the crack now. Like I've I've sent a few messages out to him. He knows that I'm hungry for the fight. It's just that, like I say, he's, he's not. I don't feel like he's going to take it on a voluntary fight. So I've just got to put myself in a position, um, in the mandatory for him for him to have to take the fight. And and so there's not really much for me to say other than that. I know he feels like he's, he's avoided by a lot of fighters. I feel like he thinks that Valdez is um, avoiding him, but I just want him to know that I'm definitely not one of their men. I don't fear no man, and definitely not Shakur Stevenson. Well said. And just before we wrap it up, Archie, if you've got any closing words, just before we let you go, obviously you've been on the show a handful of times. The listeners love you on this show. So any closing words? Yeah, just I appreciate all the support and all the listeners out there. Um, and I hope everyone's enjoying, enjoying the journey because I feel like now onwards, it's just this is very exciting times now. We're, we're on the uh, world fringe. And um, yeah, just stay tuned because there's so much more. They say you can't uh, teach old dogs new tricks but I feel like that's that's an old saying and it's out the window because I feel like after 20 fights I'm just just starting to uh, to find my feet now <laughs> you're certainly not an old dog my friend but listen it's always a pleasure speaking with you Arch thank you for your time congrats again on the win and we'll speak again soon oh god bless cheers Joe thank you Okay, and this wraps up episode 316 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our two guests on this week's podcast, the unbeaten super featherweight contender Archie Sharp and the former light heavyweight world title challenger Craig Richards. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in. Remember, if you wish to improve your below-the-waist hygiene and make your plums smell irresistible please visit manscaped.com and use that promo code BOXHARD for 20% off plus free shipping. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.